folks who are in and folks who are listening later, welcome back to Calling Shots. I'm Seth Part now. I am joined or rejoined by uh, my friend Brian Schroeder, uh, Cosmos, Brian J. Draft uh, on, 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 on Twitter. Um, had you on a couple months ago and we had audio problems, so ended up not actually posting the uh, posting the convo, but it being the draft on Thursday, I, I thought it would be a good time to have you back and uh, educate me on what is a draft that I know less about than most that that have <laughs> that have been since since I've been been uh, covering the NBA. Um, so let me start with this. I, I had Sam Vecini on. I don't know about a six weeks ago or so, um, and I asked him this. Um, of the top three guys, if you just sort of do the elevator pitch for all three guys, it seems like Chet is the obvious choice. Is that wrong, and why? Um, well, my first point would be, it's. I don't think it's a top three, I think it's a top four. Possibly even a top five, depending on how you feel about some guys, but um, I mean, definitely statistically, Chet is just like very unique. I think he's the only player in recorded college basketball history to have a, was it 10 block, 10 assist rate, and then like a certain number of threes attempted. So like he just shoots threes, block shots, and passes the ball at a, at that height, at a combination that's more or less unprecedented in, at least in college basketball history since the, you know, mid nineties, late nineties, which is a long time. We're getting old now. That's it's not. <laughs> years, it's not eight nine years ago like it used to be. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's really the pitch. The only real questions with Chet, aside from potentially health issues, not just with like his frame, but just health issues in general. He's just got a strange body. But you know, every prospect has some built-in health risk. Um, the real question with Chet, I think, is if you really think there's a way for him to kind of get his own shot. Even at a level, I've been talking with people about this Christian Wood trade, even at that kind of level for a big man, like a guy who can dribble twice, get to the rim. Or like if you hit him on the short roll, can like doesn't have to dunk. He can shoot like a little floater, can shoot some pull-ups on occasion. If you think he can do that, I think he's a number one pick. Just because he defensively, he's at a level that's just beyond. He's easily the best defender in this class. He's a very, very solid defender in basically every way you'd want a four slash five to be. Like, he can actually switch. Um, yeah, it's Chet. Like, I think if you were drawing a guy from a, on a whiteboard, it would be Chet. Um, I guess the only other real question is, like, for the other guys, Bancaro is kind of... I think he's. I think he honestly best profiles. Like, I've been comparing him to Carlos Boozer, kind of mindset. And I think people take that to be, like, an insult, but Carlos Boozer was a very good player for, like, five years. And I think Paulo's best fit is as a secondary scorer. And so I'm kind of sad the Pistons didn't get end up getting a top pick because I think he'd be a great fit with a guy like Kate Cunningham to where you know you can run offense for him 15 feet and out. He's going to get rebounds. He's going to score in the, point, in the paint. He's a good passer. Like, he's a pretty dependable secondary scorer. That's really the issue with Paolo. I think if you think he can really shoot and create for himself, then he's a number one pick. And then with Jabari Smith, it's really just, do you think he can learn how to dribble? <laughs> uh, having having just just seen the, the problems that having a, a, a star player who sometimes struggles to dribble, uh, how, how that can hurt in the finals. No, I, 
I I get that. It's it's sort of and and we'll talk about Jaden Ivey, who is who is like I think my favorite player in the draft. Who I think is your is your fourth guy in this. Oh, he's my number this. one. Okay, well yeah. then then we have a lot he's to talk about guy. here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, I mean, my the problem I have with I'll, I'll lay out the the problems that I have just sort of on archetype with with Jabari Smith and. Ben Caro. For start with Ben Caro, it seems like, especially if you're looking to kind of progress in the playoffs, sort of the the skill set that seems like it's most deprecated, other than okay, you just can't shoot, you just can't defend, so you yeah. can't be on the floor, is like almost the traditional four. Mm-hmm. And he's got more of a face up game than that, but it's still sort of the the twenty twenty two version of the of the traditional four. Is kind of looks like Paulo Bagaro. Mm-hmm. Is it, it? Am I off base by by going down that route? No, I mean I think I think he is. Like that's kind of where I go with the boozer thing. There's a Blake Griffin. Like if you gave Pistons Blake Griffin kind of like the the, the ver- that version of him. That's maybe that kind of player where he's like not as explosive an athlete, but it just has nice skill game. And the problem with both of those players, especially with the later Blake Griffin, is that you just can't play them at the five in the playoffs. And, like, unless they are dynamic enough to really run your offense, like, kind of a Tatum. That's kind of the four we're looking at now. It's really hard to really build a lineup around that guy for these playoff minutes. And that's that's not really reason to not draft him. That's obviously not reason to not draft him. He, I think he'll be a dependable player. And, you know, none of these teams... Likely, I mean, if they're smart, they shouldn't be trying to make the playoffs next year. If you're in the top five of this just draft, don't even worry about it. You'll you'll be good. Um, yeah, I don't know. But the real problem with Paolo, the real honestly, it's a really mind. It's a it's a micro skill we call micro skill, but it's really what kills him as a five for me. Is for a pretty good athlete who's pretty powerful and moves pretty well, he can't jump while backpedaling. Really, he's not good at it, and that's like the core skill of any drop big. That's the thing you have to be good at. That's that. That's 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 the late career Brooke Lopez kind of career saver is the ability to do that. Yep. Um. So and then on and then with like Jabari Smith, it seems like he's just he's got one way to be good, and that and that's that's a player that always kind of like the comparison with like you know the the num- okay the number of ways for Chet to be great might be limited, but there's a ton of ways he can be good. And like, if Jabari Smith can't uh, Jabari Smith, where who am I? Um, if he can't shoot, like, I don't know. It's it. It seems like that's that's a problem. Yeah. Then 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 like, obviously a better athlete, better overall player, but that does start to get into a little West Johnson territory. Is that? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean the, yeah. I think. I do think there's a little bit of a misnomer. Jabari is not... He's going to be a four in the sense, like I was talking with Tatum. He's not a four-five. He's not a big man. And that actually, think, makes his defense more... Like, he's he's a guy who gets really low in stances. I think he'll he'll do okay in the wing, the, even for the 3-4 defense. I think he'll be good. He's a smart defender. I don't really think there's a lot of evidence to say he won't shoot. It's just the question of what kind of shooter is because if he's going to be like a 42 43 percent three-point shooter at that size with his athletic ability just to move and slide around that's a that's a top three player that's like a 
Mikael Bridges, if he could, like, was a real shooter. Like, Mikael Bridges, Chris Middleton kind of player. And, like, that's a very, that's a great player to have in the playoffs and maybe worth the number one pick in this kind of draft. I just don't know if that's the kind of shooter he is. And I think the biggest reason is, is his selection. He thinks he's Kevin Durant. And, you know, good, you know, good. I, you want players to think that they're the greatest, but it's kind of the Dylan Brooks issue. If Dylan Brooks didn't think he was Michael Jordan, he might be a little bit more valuable to the Grizzlies, especially in a scenario where, let's say, they don't have John Morant and he's taking like 35 shots a game. <laughs> but again, that, that belief, yeah. But the flip side, like, and I'm, I'm, like, I'm sort, I'm pretty far out on Dylan Brooks, but I'll recognize that, like, without that like level of self belief, he also doesn't become a good NBA. Like, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, so it's it's that is the that is the double edged sword there. You know, I, you never fault a player. Like somebody asked Chet Holmgren recently who he thinks the best player in the NBA is, and he said, "Me." Once I get there, it's like you want them. That you want players to think that. Like that's that's so that's, every great player thinks that. So that's that, that's an interesting that, that that maybe if this is an agent, this is a tangent, but maybe this is an agent coaching thing. But it seems to me that certainly even over like you know the 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 you know the only the couple of years that I was like you know in these interviews. I saw an increase, and maybe it was the fact that we were drafting in a different place by the end of the, the time I was with the Bucks and at the beginning, but it seemed like there was an increase in the number of guys who had either genuinely thought or had at least coached, been coached into, oh yeah, I'm going to be T-Mac, I'm going to be, I'm going to be Kobe, I'm going to be, you know, this or that. It's, it's you know, I'm, you know I, I can be like a Pat Beverly type. I can be a, it seemed like there were more players who were giving more realistic comps. Now, again, these were also the players who it seemed like had had the best coaching from their agents. So, you know, the the separating fact from fiction there is, is always tough, but, um, so, so I don't know if that's, if again, if that's something that, that, that's changed or it's just, it's, uh, smoke. I wonder if that's part of me wonders if that's not like a byproduct of Instagram highlighting where people it's just easier to get a feel for like what does this guy do? Like you you're going to see for last few years we've seen a lot of guys being like this is the next PJ Tucker. And it's like that's a strange sentence to say. <laughs> like no it's not. <laughs> like first of all, are you going to go play overseas for 5 years and have like the strangest career path? No, you're not PJ Tucker. Sorry. But um uh yeah, the, the problem with that, I think, and this is a thing, I think it's it's really an endemic issue with just in general draft coverage, is when you compare, when you cop a player to a star, even, let's say, Pascal Siakam, that's been a popular one, and you say that this player is 80% of that, that's not a star. <laughs> like, if, if you're 80% as good at all the weird stuff that Siakam can do to get himself buckets, can you score? Does that mean you're any good at all? If you're eighty percent of Seth Curry, well, like, are you? That does that mean just mean you're Seth Curry? Like, what does that mean? It doesn't. It's it's strange, and I don't know if that's necessarily coming from players. That's just become like a lazy way to comp people. And it's like I saw the one on the Ringer, and not to call them out specifically, but it was like Lou Dort without elite defense. It's like, what is that? What kind of player is that? That doesn't sound like a player I want. <laughs> that that sounds like a Julian player. Yeah. Find a question: Does Lou Dort have elite defense? I'm not sure he does, but like, like that—that's Lou Dort, but can't like Russell Westbrook, but can't drive. Like, what? What? What is that basketball player? <laughs> yeah. No, the, I mean, I you know, I've I I wrote about this a lot. In my, I like player comps are my least favorite thing, just yeah. because it's yeah. it's like what's the 
like to get to, you know, you're encouraged to kind of aim high, but that's like you're ignoring all the sort of the the similar players that that are just that don't become anything. Like so you don't like the range is like like low end G league to top end, like the 90th percentile is like a borderline all-star guy. What's the median there? And yeah. Um, And just, just to finish up on, on Jabari a little, like, I mean, you say like, you're pretty sure he'll shoot. It's like, yeah, but the difference between 34 and even 37 or something like that is, is pretty big. It's pretty big. Yeah. His, his big, his biggest skill. And honestly, the biggest reason to believe in him as a star is he really doesn't like, he's not at all affected by contests, even in the sec. Like he mostly, his shot prep was good enough that he kind of like almost before he'd even gone up for the shot, he, it was kind of decided that he was going to make it or not. He's one of those kind of shooters. Like if he gets in rhythm and he's, he's on the point, like where he wants to be with the ball, he's at his spots. He's probably going to hit it at a pretty good rate. I think the problem is that his spots are not exactly like I made a Chris Middleton comp. His shot, like just his shot diet, and like where he got his shots, looks a lot like Chris Middleton in the NBA in college. And it's like I don't know if I want you taking those shots all the time. But uh, I think I saw, yeah. I think I saw a graphic comparing those and. and- Anyway, that was yeah. Yeah, the the real upside is if he does become like, like he has really good flexibility in his body. He can get low to defend, so there's really no like I he should be working on all sorts of ankle stuff to get his be able to get leverage on people when he drives, because if you're just going to shoot pull ups, like even if you hit a lot of them, they're just teams are just going to at a certain point. Like game plan that out and like just make it impossible. This DeRozan thing happens with DeRozan in the playoffs all the time. He's incredible at it, but like you have to. And DeRozan is a good threat to drive, but like at a certain point, they know what you're going to do, and it's very easy to defend that. Any any playoff defense can take that away from anybody unless they're Kevin Durant, and he's not Kevin Durant. Like he, he's honestly of all the guys who've been compared to them, he has closest to that level of shot making, just pure shot making skill, but he's still. Probably two inches shorter, probably twenty pounds lighter. Now, I mean, it's the same age, but doesn't have that kind of wingspan. Just doesn't have. He's not Kevin Durant. Like there, there won't be another Kevin Durant. Not, not unless you think seven foot three French teenagers count. <laughs> well, that's 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 for, that's the pod for next year. Um, um, I mean, I've 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 heard that like every time I've heard him described in this way. Like the player that comes to mind is is not like it's not Kevin Durant, it's not like uh, Chris Middleton, it's not really these primary scores. It's Michael yeah. Porter Jr. Yeah, I mean my my comp for a while, and I think it's more just kind of the way his shot comes off of his hand is Richard Lewis, and I've, okay. I I love Richard Lewis. Richard Lewis, he like plays perimeter defense, like tries to play defense. Hmm. That's a good player. I yeah. love Richard Lewis. He was one of my favorite guys in that time. But like. That's what I was getting at with the comp thing. You make that comp, or I like I compared Malachi Branham to Luke Kennard, and people were like, "Oh, you must think he sucks." And it's like Luke Kennard made money. He's making his <laughs> contract. He is like, you know, like these guys are. Richard Lewis made probably over a hundred million in his career. Like he, made I mean, money. he was a key. He was a key part in a finals team. Like, yeah, like he's he, he like, did some things. It's just not. It doesn't mean I think that. Like, how many? I don't know how many times people can make compare someone to Draymond. Not, not Draymond. I'm sorry. Maybe they can I mean, be Grant Williams, but not Draymond. 
Yeah, no, it's it's like you're you you fill in the you fill in the question marks with like ninety five percentile outcome, and suddenly it's great. It's like the Dante Exum that like like you remember back in the day we just we knew so little about him. It's like well, we think he can do this, and we think he can do that, and we think. And to be fair to Exum, like I don't think we ever really got a chance to see yeah. before. Like I think was it before his second year that he blew out his ACL playing for yeah. for yeah. Australia, and, and you know he came to the league very young, not physically ready, so. There's a little bit of who knows, but like it, there was some stuff that was advertised or some stuff that was is kind conjectured. Of too. Oh man, one of my all-time misses. Yeah, <laughs> him. It's it's more. I think that's more defensible because he did have the power, like yeah. just the, the driving and ability. To just he just didn't know what he was doing. And he, and he was he, like, and and you know, it's funny because Jokic was on this team, but he was so good at summer league. He was like, and it's like, oh, this, there's this, there's yeah, this big uh, Balkan kid who doesn't look very athletic, but seems very skilled. He might stick, but Moutier looked great. It's like, mm. that's that's the environment where a guy like that's always going to look yeah. great, especially back. I mean, even what's that? Even even for six, seven years ago, summer league was not as they weren't. They didn't have. I think the coaching they didn't take it seriously, and it just wasn't. That's always the issue with summer league. Is that it's not a talent issue. Like these are honestly some of the most talented rosters outside. The actual NBA, maybe the most. Problem is that these guys, what do they fly in like three days before the thing starts? And they practice like once. Like that's not. There's no continuity to these teams at all. So a guy like Moody is going to have a great time because yeah. nobody's going to rotate and he's just going to go to the rim like crazy. And everyone's playing too fast, and like so the guy yeah. who can be a little powerful. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let's let's talk about. First of all, actually, I uh, 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 want to ask about this since. Abdul Rahman, who's been a loyal listener uh, in, in the chat, was asking uh, as, about, about Paulo as a as a as a switching five. Yeah, I mean, I think he shows he has good like he has he has like bare feet kind of. He's got really like nimble feet and he can move in space. I think he showed a little bit of that at Duke, and then I think they settled in. He became the big fish, and every every other prospect kind of suffered usage wise. He became the whole offense, and he kind of stopped. Um, I don't know his measurables aren't really like I don't think he's like a, a any kind of drop big or any kind of like real rim deterrent, other than just being a big strong guy who likes contact. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think he can definitely switch four five, and like uh, I think he'll do well. I think the best path for him is to be the guy on the Jay Crowder types let him just kind of sit around in the perimeter a little bit and kind of make, maybe, maybe rotate in and just like box people out. He's good. He's like power was wiring. There's nothing wrong with the way he's wired. He's a really smart, smart kid. I've followed him on Twitter for a while. I've seen that stuff with him. He knows what he's doing. And I think he knows how to be a successful NBA player. I just think there's a little bit of the, the super high end upside is not really there with him. Part of that is I'm not 100 percent sure about his shot as like extending it out, but like he's super talented. I think he's just like skill wise, he's the most talented player in this draft. Just doing things at six ten two fifty that six ten two fifty guys don't do very often. Um, I just you know he's like a seven one wingspan. His spin reach is fine. It's a little in the playoffs. Maybe you can get away with it. I'm just not sure what kind of real, like, you still need a center, I think, a lot. I mean, yeah. part of the I mean, part of the reason the Celtics were in as long as they were is when they had Robert Williams, they had a center on the floor. And, like, you just can't replicate that. You can't 
stop it, really. Like, if he's just going to go up and get a ball at the top of the square, you can't do anything about that. And Paolo is not that kind of player. I don't know if he'll be asked to be, but I think there will be a lot of lineups where it may be better to have him not on the floor in the playoffs, and I'm worried about that. But I still... I think he'll be... I think he will defend fairly well for what he is, which is a pretty high-usage second, like, both score. I mean, if we're going to talk about, like, the Celtics and the players, it seems like the comparison that is even just like body type wise that sort of Ill- I, I think illustrates maybe the shortcomings is more Horford than it is Williams. Yeah. Well, there's another guy in this draft who compares more to Williams, but well, well, I think what we'll get to, I mean, I, I imagine you're, you're talking about Duran, but yes, the, um, but let's, 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 let's talk about our, our, our favorite. So oh yeah, let's, so uh, let me preface this by saying that I, you know, I didn't really watch a ton of college basketball until, really the actually any until you know in the new year and i think that at one point um i I had just i was waiting for something else to come on and i turned on a purdue game and after about watching for about five yeah (laughs) just because it was the game that was on and i i i texted you or messaged you after watching for five minutes and was like tell me about Jaden Ivey because it was just like it, it just fired off the screen that much so now that you're here Tell me about Jaden Ivey. I think Ivey, there's been some questions. I think this is a philosophical thing for the draft. And the, the, the thing I will always criticize more than anything else is just people who don't have a methodology, like who will like one guy next year and then dislike a very similar guy for no particular reason. Like you need to have, I think if you're going to do this with any kind of, and it's one of the things I really like about mock drafting is you kind of learn it's always annoying when a new GM shows up and I, I don't know how this guy drafts. Like the joke, you know, people make the jokes about John Hollinger, but like or John Hollinger, but people make well, the jokes about him Hammond. too. But yeah, people <laughs> make the jokes about Hammond. Like like, he, but he knows what he wants. Like I I know what kind of players he likes. The Spurs are like that for a while. The Raptors are like that. Messiah is definitely there's a type of player he likes. He looks like OG Ananobi and moves like OG Ananobi. Um, and or Scotty Barnes, uh. And I like that. I like that these teams have, like, it's a team building thing. And so it's one of the ways it's kind of hard to do, like, a full big board because some players for some teams are just not a fit for how they play and how they, especially when you get into the 20s and 30s. But um, I almost forgot where I was going with this. The thing with Ivy is he's one of the rare, athletically, I kind of think he supersedes all that. Like, I really feel like, like, there's no... The Kings, I almost hope they don't take him for his own sake. Like I don't want to insult the Kings, but they they've earned it at this point. Um, and I, yeah, I, I, their new front office I think can do well. I think they have good people there. But like he, like the Aaron Fox is a fine player. I'm not like Ivy is 99th percentile guard athlete in this league. Like he's a he's a freak athlete. That's really what it is for me. And I've kind of decided in the last two or three years, and it. I wouldn't say it's been 100% successful, but if I have a group of prospects, two or three or four in this case, kind of at the same level, like if I was to give them a grade, I'm always going to just put the, the guy who will have the ball most at the top. And Ivy, despite some... Um, the, Purdue runs a very post-heavy offense. They have a lot of... They like to have multiple guards. They don't all... They, they didn't do what they probably should have done, which is just hammer 1-5 with him. Like top... like Just get, get him a... Get him as far away from the basket as possible, set a screen, and just see if people can keep up with him because guess what? They can't. Um, 
if he can run a full sprint jump from outside the paint going diagonal and dunk, like I don't know what you can do to stop him. Um, but I think I think the the real question with him is is he like a lead guard? Does he make those? Because he got better at it. I think playing on the U nineteen team with Chad Holmgren, Johnny Davis was on that team, uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr. Oh, Kennedy Chandler, a few other like, and then a few like college guys like Kenneth Lofton. That's where he became like a big name. Um, those guys like Ivy was so far and away, including Wembenyama was so far and away athletically like just above everybody else in that tournament. Even he he doesn't he, he didn't know how to dribble because he barely had the ball. He was an off ball guy as a freshman. Even that, if he just got the ball with any kind of space, he was gone. There was nothing anyone could do to stop it. And that really transferred over to this year. He's an off-ball monster. Like he's, there's so many little clips of him. They just kind of run him around, and it's like run him around screens, around draft, and he's just like, it's fast at a level that that other basketball players can't contend with. And I really think he's going to be like a John Wall, Westbrook, Darren Fox, even John Morant. Like that's a comp you're seeing. He's a lot larger than John Morant. He's on 200 pounds, six nine wingspan, six four. But I just think that the athletic ability, you let him figure it out for a couple of years. Let him figure out how to change speeds. He's already getting better at it. Um, I kind of comped him like this is not a player comp. This is a like a he's like almost like a Ducati motorbike. He's so like he needs to be careful how fast he goes because he can blow his shoes out and fall over. <laughs> but that it's hard to you know it's kind of hard for him to downshift sometimes. But he's getting he's getting better at it. Like he does not shoot mid range shots at all because he doesn't need to. And he started to do that at the end of the year, started working his floater game in. If he develops any kind of in-between game, any kind of Trey Young stuff, I really think he could be like a top 10 guard in this league. Because yeah, the athleticism is – I have to know what he would have tested. It's It probably would have been like one of those com- NFL combine performances where like a guy – like a linebacker runs like a 4-3 and you're like, what? That's not – or the, the the one where the guy gets on the bench and and then just all of a sudden all the coaches are standing up and yeah. and because he's like forty six forty six yeah I want to <laughs> I can't um, imagine like I I know he was I I don't know if he was lying about who he worked out for that guy is more than any player I think in the last couple few years is made for workouts like he just would look terrifying he's he's fast in a way that like he's got he he's a one jump he's a one foot and two foot jumper. He's fast and can jump, which is a terrifying combination. Because a lot of guys are just really fast and just sort of let their momentum take them up. It's really like I really think he's like an, a one of the best athletes to come out into the draft in several years, and I, so that's why I put him one. I just think the idea of him as just some kind of I guess the difference is John Wall was like a had been trained to be a point guard. This is the thing that's happening with a lot of the guys, even the fr- guys who were freshmen last year, or it's like a three or four years, like three years, like almost like a generation of guys. Like Wesley's one of them, Major Griffin's one of them, who just didn't play basketball for like a year and a half. And in their junior years in high school, senior years in high school, or freshman years in college, they didn't play. And like, it's it's hard to tell. Like the skill development stuff for a lot of them, it's just way below what it should be, and. I think Ivy had never played. I know Blake Wesley. I've heard him. I've heard him say this. Had never played basketball with people 
who were anywhere close to as fast as him until he got to college. And I think that just is a big adjustment period because there were there weren't a lot of shoe circuits for these guys to go on. You know, Jaden Ivey was a four star recruit. He wasn't like a huge name recruit, so he was playing in like well, he was playing at La Lumiere his last year, but he played three years in at like a high school in Mishawaka, Indiana, which is a very small, not that small, but it's not like a even for Indiana, that's not like a hotbed of hoops out KD. It's not like South Bend or Gary or even Fort Wayne or Marion or any of those places. So this is sort of a side question. I'm, it's going to be interesting to follow like this. I'm glad you brought that up because this is, this is, I think this is going to be a, a challenge for like this and, and maybe last year a little bit. And then a couple of classes going forward is sort of the, the, you know, how that, that pause kind of messes with the normal developmental cycle. And I'm, you know, on some level, I'm wondering if there might be some guys that actually helps in that, you know, and, and, you know, the guys who are the most talented might be the the highest among them in that, like, there were no, no bad habits to unlearn Mm. to develop there. Um, I would, so I just, like, this isn't, this isn't a straight up comp, but it's a, uh, Sort of the the description of you let him figure it out. I mean, I think it's positionally very different, but like uh, this, it's a, like Miles Bridges. It took it took him a little bit, yeah. To but like this like, and you know, I, he's he's more of just a straight two foot jumper, and but still, just like maybe the best you know, in the league, though. Yeah, but just like a nuclear athlete took him a minute to figure out like how to translate that to the NBA, but now he's figured it out and he's quite good. And and so it seems like um, you add you know some guard skills to that, and uh, and it's it's a bet you you would like to make. Yeah, that's a, that's the other reason I think I would have Ivy first is I think my FOMO with him is much higher than anybody. Like just the idea that I I could be the team that you know you don't you never want to be i don't know if people have heard this did you know that the timberwolves drafted johnny flynn and Curry? no one's ever I, mentioned that I, I, I was, did not know that i think if you're a talent evaluator of any kind and uh, you're like any any way if you ever envision yourself doing this like making picks being a person who has that power that is a situation you are trying to avoid that's almost the fear of that is almost more than like the the I don't know what the, the positive outcome of getting a good player. Like you just don't want to be that. And I, I, Ivy is the guy I have the most FOMO with this. Like, I just don't want to miss out on that. Those, I, I did the same thing. I had John Morant third in 2019. And I had Anthony Edwards third or fourth in 2020. And I don't know if Edwards is like a super elite prospect. Like, I don't know if he's going to be the guy who's like a best kind of talent team, but he's certainly great actor though. Yeah. Terrific. Actor. <laughs> but the athleticism is just so like, He's still figuring things out, and he's like pretty good already. He's helped that team out immensely. Um, see, I just don't want to miss that with him. Um, it's funny you mentioned Miles Bridges though, because I, I looked this up. There are three high major college basketball players since 2008: 15 defensive rebound percentage, 15 assist percentage, 25 dunks, and 50 threes in a season, and they are R.J. Barrett, Miles Bridges, and Jaden Ivey. Oh, that's just that's 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 a that's a, a peer group designed to hurt me. I feel like yeah, just just throw RJ Barrett in there just to throw a, a, a monkey wrench. In. Yeah, yeah. Um, though to be I mean, fair, RJ Barrett, actually, RJ Barrett was a dominant 
yeah. physical, like like phys- even even in the ACC, physically dominant. Yeah. Player. Actually, I really liked R.J. Barrett as a prospect, and it hasn't really translated to the NBA yet. Um, you come at me, Knicks fans, still. Uh, <laughs> I think he's been a little bit better than I expected, but he isn't. Yeah, there's been some stuff that. I mean, I think this, so. Not to, not to get off topic, I think there was a stretch this season where he decided to just like really bully people to the rim and shoot ten free throws a game. And for a guy who probably is is less skilled than you know players who are trying to have his his profile, like getting getting cheap points that way when like the floater game isn't good and it, yeah. you know is 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 pretty important, but. That's not a here nor there. I want to. So you, I mean, you brought up an interesting topic, and we maybe we should have led led with this um, yeah. before we get into other uh, other players. Is I'm always interested to hear people's theories of of drafting. Like, what what are you trying to? If were it you, like, what are you trying to accomplish? And and I'll go get the best players and build a championship, but like you know, a little bit yeah. like a little like one level down from that. Like, how are we are we drafting for upside for fit? Does, does it matter like where you are as a team, where you're picking? All like yeah, very draft are, like. You know, there are exceptions. Like when the Celtics are make the Eastern Conference Finals, then have like a top three pick. You know, they can kind of just do whatever they feel is best. But I think. It's one of the things I like about the NFL draft, and the NFL—it's—it's you can't one-to-one compare them because the NFL is such a specialized game, and there's so many guys. You can take a guy who just is like a three-down rush guy, top ten, because he's the best at that you could possibly find. Whereas, like, you're not going to take like a guy who can only shoot like, not to single anyone out. Hoonjin Lee from Davidson is a player I enjoy a lot. He's an excellent shooter. He is really like a sub NBA athlete in every possible way. It's just going to have, it's going to get tortured out there. That's the same thing like Duncan Robinson. As soon as Duncan Robinson stopped being a 45% shooter, he was unplayable. That kind of guy, like, as, like, but the shooting skill is as good as anyone in this draft. He's an elite shooter. Like, but that kind of player is not going to go, like a guy who's like a Jason Capono is not going in the top 10 in the NBA, in any NBA draft that's ever happened. Um, But like, I still believe one of the things I really enjoy about the NFL draft, and I, I like that it's after free agency because free agency is where you fill needs, I feel like, more and more. Unless you are a team like Charlotte that just needs some kind of rim presence, I really don't like this idea, especially when you're in like the top 8 to 10. These are bad teams. Like, very few of these players, you know, Kate Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, all been on the Cavs aren't in the top ten. These guys, yeah, you don't want to draft a guy who's identical to that who's going to play that exact role right now. You don't. You want to wait a few years. But this idea that like the Kings can't take Ivy because they have De'Aaron Fox, like you can trade De'Aaron Fox. Like I, he's a good player. I like him. You could. You you don't have to. Like this idea of holding on to these building blocks that you haven't built anything off of yet. You can you can just swap those guys. Swap those guys out. It's not hard. Um. You know, the, the exceptions are being like the Hawks should not be taking a, a point guard. If they have a top 10 pick, you don't need to take a point guard. You, you're, you're all in at this point. Or, you know, um, I if you think the best player is a 7-foot center who can't shoot and you have like Rudy Gobert on your team, then don't take him. But um, I think, especially in the, in the lottery, like, we call it the lottery. 
<laughs> we don't call it's it, right there in the name. <laughs> yeah, you're not you're not out here hitting singles. And I, you know, there are exceptions when good teams like if the Grizzlies had had a top ten, if they'd held on to that Lakers pick, then maybe you can take. Or you know, maybe you're the Grizzlies and you can just go with the Zaire Williams swing again. It's like that seemed like it worked out pretty well. Um, I, I personally just think you should take the most talented guy unless you are a legitimate playoff team and you just need, like, honestly, the Bulls. That's why I'm a big fan of them maybe getting Kyrie Eason if they keep that pick because he'd be both for them. He'd be the best player available and he would fit their need of uh, please anyone over six foot eight who can rebound. Please God, anybody. Um, <laughs> somebody who, who, like, tries hard. I'm a big. I, I'm a Bulls fan, and I love Javante Green. I'm, he's become. He's made himself through sheer force of will into a decent NBA player. He should not be getting like 65 starts at power forward when he's like six three and a half. Like, you just can't do that in the NBA. Um, but like that's that's a, that's a fit. And they're at 18 too. But when you're the top 10, take the best player. Like I saw somebody say the Spurs shouldn't take Duran because they have Jakob Pertl. It's like I'm. What are we doing I'm here? Of the opinion, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm of the opinion that Jakob Pertl is a top 100 player in the league. Like, I think he's really good. What are you doing? You're building a t- You're, you're going to try and w- win a championship? You, like, Jakob Pertl is not Tim Duncan. Like, yeah, don't draft a center if you have Tim Duncan. But, like, imagine. Imagine if people had said that in, in, in that draft. You can't take Tim Duncan because you have David Robinson. It's like, no, you take Tim Duncan. You take the best. No, that's not a player like that in this class. But, yeah, I'm, I'm more and more... Really, just on you take the talent, and even like the guys who are projects, like you take the guys who have weird outlier skills because those are the guys who become stars. Like Pascal Siakam was a weird prospect. He couldn't, like, literally didn't shoot. All his scoring was really strange. He was kind of old. He had a weird looking body, but like nobody had seen him because he was. The guys who become stars in this league, the Kawhi Leonard types, like that's the ultimate draft win. Is you take you take the players who have like some kind of outlier ability, you flash some kind of elite NBA skill or even like high level NBA skill, and then they become stars. How many of the the elite, like the real stars in this league, were immediately top twenty five players? LeBron, maybe Durant. I don't know. I, I don't know how to feel about it with the. He, I mean, he was, yeah, no, I mean, he's he played really out good. of position. It was he, obvious I, he would be, at least. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he was played out of position on a bad team. Like, he's played a two-guard on a, on, a, on a bad team and said shoot every time he won, so his numbers Manuel, were terrible, but, yeah. Luca was, like, pretty yeah. immediately, like, this guy's, this guy's an elite player. It's not a lot. Chris Paul, maybe. You know, I, rookie Chris Paul was pretty much just Chris Paul immediately. There's not many of them. Like, it takes a couple years. So, you know, this is this one every five years. I mean, you know, yeah. if he's he- if he's healthy, maybe Zion is in the conversation. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, just it, yeah. speaking of like outlier like yeah. skill set. Yeah. But yeah. Although, I will say, even though I don't agree with the idea that if you redrafted, you would take John Moran over him. John Moran is another example of that. Yeah. Of that, like the concerns I had with him were kind of unfounded. Like. I mean, there's still concerns, but I just really think he... I, I really was like, ah, oh, well, NBA players are just going to bully him. It's like, well, they, they try, but you have to catch him to bully him. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, like, yeah, th- those guys are not... This is this is a long-winded way of me railing against the idea of Keegan Murray's top five pick. <laughs> because Keegan okay, Murray that... is the most... If you were to do, like, a, and I don't, I don't really adhere to doing this, but if you were to 
grade a guy out of five on like let's say like fifteen or twenty. Keegan Murray would be a guy who gets a three out of five on basically everything and a four in some stuff. Like he's extremely competent. The idea of him, it's very easy to see a guy like that playing big minutes in the playoffs. The problem is he'd be like your fourth man, I think. Now there's some there's some like he has like a nice floater game and he's becoming a little more of like a shooter, like a real shooter. And if that happens, maybe he's like a really good second guy. But yeah, that's just the idea, like I'm not it's a thing that people do in the draft all the time where they, they just you you let perfect become the enemy of good and you you look at a guy like Chet and you think I've never seen anyone like this, so it won't work. So that's just not how basketball works. Basketball is what we love about it. It's the most expressive, weirdest game, I feel. I mean, all like what of the which of the players that are like that became like the kind of the tier one guys have we seen before? Yeah. Like you know, like Chris Paul is, is, is fra- like of guys who kind of hit that kind of heights. He's maybe the most standard, except yeah. he's just the best at it. Like, yeah, I mean, I think maybe Embiid, but I don't know. He also has some really weird quirks in his game that make him very unique. You know. Um. So I, Murray's a, g- a good place to go because this is this is sort of um, you know, if if if, if you are star hunting. Um, and you're 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 thinking of you know a perimeter a perimeter on ball guy. Doesn't he have to have some playmaking in his game? And for a guy who had the ball in his hands as much as he did, a little, I, bit, of that, a little bit of that is him being force fed. Like that's sort of how Iowa runs their offense. They need a guy. They need a play finisher, and that's he's good at that. But yeah, that's sort of the problem. I mean, even even being force fed, you, you you if the ball is in your hands that much, like yeah. assists should come out. Like you know, and college assists are weird. Yes, I know, I know, I know. It's just it's so like it's it, it's it, there's there's so little of it that it's the kind of thing you just you, you just worry about it. Yeah. Like how good do you have to be at the at bucket getting for that to be enough? And I don't. Yeah, and I'm not sure like. You know what? What is the example of the the elite player with with like zero play? Like the elite perimeter player with zero playmaking skills? I I I honestly I I frankly can't think of one. Like you might have to go back to like Dominique Wilkins or something like that to really come up with with. And you know he was a you know it's more a question about defense, but we, you know and yeah. it was forty years ago, so like, who cares? But. Um, yeah, I guess the counter for that for the people who are big gigging guys is he is he could be the rare three four five because he's got like the measurables are pretty good and he has like he's a very strong player and he has like that physicality you would want as like a as like a uh, small ball five. I'm just not sure how much that works in the NBA, and it's weird to say that because the Big Ten is classically like the big man conference and there's a lot of bigs there. But the thing is, it didn't work that well when they were playing. I mean, they got kind of pummeled by Michigan at one point because Hunter Dickinson just put King and Murray in a trash can. And, like, Hunter Dickinson can't jump, literally can't jump over a phone book. But he's 7'1", 260, and it's just like a super strong guy. He just put his arm, he did, Jokic did, he just put his arm on Keegan's shoulder, held him down, and just shot hooks over. It's like, that's, it's tough. Like, 
what is even like the, like a Jonas Valanciunas kind of guy? It's just going to destroy a guy like that as a four five. But like I said, the, the Keegan Keegan is a really fluid athlete while being also explosive. Um, there's a lot to like about him. Like I think he's a good prospect. I have him in the top ten. I think he can step into the league. And at worst, be like a more well-rounded kind of Obi Toppin kind of guy. But Obi Toppin's a guy who was getting top five buzz, and I, I don't think any, I don't think even Knicks fans would be like, yeah, he should have gone five in that draft. Like, it's just not that kind of high-end talent. So speaking of high-end talent, like where where do you have like, it, I think you know you get you get caught up in individual players in a draft, but it's really when you get down to it, we know little like. Big picture, we know little enough about these guys that it's, it's you know the ranking is because we have to, but really it's yeah. like groupings. So what do you what do you see as like the structure of of this draft class? It's, I think the strength of it really is there are, there's a small there's like a little, what's the word? Not, I guess a company. No, it there's there there are like double digit. Six six to six nine, three four guys who could be like legitimately on rosters for a long time. Like it's a there's it's a it's a four it's a power forward draft. It's a modern forward draft, and it is a backup center draft <laughs> or potential swing center kind of draft, depending on what you think about like the Mark Williams, um, Christian Coloco, Walker Kessler kind of group. Um, it's not a guard. The problem is, and I think this is what makes it a weaker draft, it's just not guards. There are no, there are no like, real impact guards aside from Ivy, which is why he's the one you're seeing a lot of buzz about somebody trading for that fourth pick because that's the guy. You make, you take, if you need the guard, you get that guy. So, so that's uh, uh, Brad in, in comments asks uh, if if you think that uh, Ananobi for for that pick is uh, is is fair value. I would and want I, more. You know, I like that that I, I like OG, but that feels that feels a little light to me. If the Kings would take that, obviously you do it. If the Kings are really just don't want him, which that's that, boy, that's never worked out poorly for them. Not taking a ball hammer because they had one already. There's no there's no reason drafts for that came back to bite them. You know, this is what can you do? The owner says that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. Staskus. Um <laughs> But yeah, like I would, I would want more. Hey, that's that's NBA finalist Nick Stauskas to you. It's true. That's um, <laughs> G League legend Nick Stauskas. Actually, he went nuts. I think he averaged fifty a game over like the three, three game stretch in the, the showcase. He was going crazy. Um, yeah, like I don't know. I, trying to think of what else because they have that that pick you could do that you could do i, I would at least want like gary Trent and, a, and and an ob maybe you take some salary back but i'm never as good at figuring those out on the fly i would just take ivy if i was the king's like it's he's gonna fall right to your lap it does seem like it does seem like there's a little like if if the buzz is to believe it just does seem like there's a little bit of overthinking okay so you end up with like okay you get a bounce back year from Fox, and he starts to play defense again. So your backcourt is is Fox, Ivy, and Mitchell, and that's bad. Why? Like, yeah. oh, we hate having three guards. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, too, the, you know, the concern with drafting a bunch of guards is you end up in the, in the Cavs situation, or more famously, the Trailblazers situation, where you have two six foot one guys. But Darren Fox is six three, and Ivy is six four. Like, 
they're fine. Like, they're not small enough that they're both going to be run off the floor if you ever make the playoffs again. And the Portland thing was only a problem because they, like, because of the, the weirdness of, of, of never wanting to trade C.J. McCollum because, yeah. look, I drafted him. Like if you if you you know a more likely a more likely like you know honestly like the Cavs are 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 much more of a best case scenario. You pick two similar guys, one works out, one kind of doesn't. Now you've got an all star point. Like I don't know if he's an all star point guard going forward, but he was this year. You got you know, like a star point guard. And if you if if you got that out of if you got one star point guard and one nothing out of two lottery picks, you're way ahead of the curve. Yeah, and that's you know, and then like. So wait, if 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 Sexton is doesn't get hurt and he's just okay, but he's but he's good enough that you could get something for him a trade. That's bad. Why? Yeah. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I, don't get I that. think. I think the idea. That's the thing. Trade value is not often thought of in like the public draft discourse. But if you take Ivy and he he blows up this year or next year, I think what you would get for De'Aaron Fox. Is more valuable than what you what you're going to get for just selling this pick. If like OG Ananobi and scraps are really what you're getting offered, or like whatever the Knicks are going to send, if they like, what would they even trade? Or Jeremy Grant or anything like that? Like those, you're going to get more for Darren Fox if he's still playing. You know, if he has another good year, you'll get more for him in a year than you would for this pick now. So. On, on one hand, I think it's like like it, it, um, it's, it's a good. It sends like a good draft to to have shots in, just given the fact that you said there's a lot of like modern forwards, and it seems like um, a lot of contenders are like that's that's you know Boston. Boston was you know Boston was that guy short. I mean, it was Aaron Neesmith being good short. Um, like you can go up and down the list of basically everyone but the Warriors, almost Warriors and Suns, basically. They could have used at least one more of those guys because you yep. can never have enough. So yep. it's so. Now the question is like, w- which of these, which of those teams, you know, get the right guy and have enough patience to to develop them into to becoming a guy who can play in those situations. Um, but that aside, like, who are some of your sort of less heralded favorite guys in in this class? Uh I guess I am still a Blake Wesley fan. I think for some of the reasons I was, he measured the measurements were a little concerning, and he didn't test super well for a guy who has like got into the paint at will in the ACC. But I think he's the kind of guy who was really hurt by not playing like AAU circuits at all. Um, it means something. I know this is a little bit of a reductive way to look at college basketball, but he went on a Notre Dame team that had literally everyone else in the rotation was a senior. <coughs> He was a unheralded, like an un, basically unknown freshman. They only got him because he was playing in South Bend. They'd never seen him play in person before offering him, but they were like, well, we need somebody, you know, it's Notre Dame. And he was the usage leader and took the most shots on the team because he just was better than everybody else. That doesn't happen that often in college basketball. It'll happen if a guy's like a superstar prospect. But he just gets he's a he's a rim pressure generating guy. He the finishing is not there yet. He just doesn't have like the pace for it. He honestly leaves a lot of shots short because I think he doesn't expect to get to the rim. But the guy has that. He has a really nice looking pull up game. He looks a lot like freshman Bones Highland, where it was like there's something with this guy. 
He just hasn't figured it out yet. Now, now you're speaking my language. You start yeah. to you bring Bones Island into it. Where... Well, he has a, it's that same kind of like it just takes really long strides. It's a Jamal Crawford kind of game. That's that's the progenitor of that style. Like this guy's just kind of goofy. He's not super fast, but he's just you can't say in front of him. Blake Wesley's kind of like that or like Levert. And the difference is that Karis Levert was a horrific freshman. Blake Wesley was still like pretty good for a freshman. Um, so I like really like him as like a late teens, like just take a shot on the guy who could become like a legitimate scorer. Um, I guess it's, it's weird to say this. I I would uh, two months ago I would have told you I was a Dyson Daniels and a Jalen Williams guy, and now they're both getting top eight, twelve buzz, and I don't think that's wrong. But like that's uh, for two guys who are not like super athletes, I really didn't think they were gonna get up that high. So I'm kind of happy about that. Uh, Jovic, Nikola Jovic, I'm, I think I'm still in on because he's six foot eleven and can shoot pull up threes. It's and his, like every time I see his name, I'm just like, well, what? The Nuggets should draft him. This yeah, year because it'd be funny. Well, the funniest thing about him is he doesn't. For a Serbian, he does not play at all like Nikola Jokic. He plays like Jason Tatum. That's one of my favorite things to see is is when a guy very obviously has a guy he's watched. Like Kevin Porter, when he came out, was like, I wonder who he likes. I'm glad he went to the Rockets so he could James do his James Harden cosplay. <coughs> um, Jovic does a lot of the Tatum moves, but he measured at six eleven and like he can pass, he can shoot, he can dribble pass shoot. It's a dribble pass shoot league. Maybe he never plays defense once in his life, but like there's a there's this you can get a good player out of that. You can get Cal Kuzma. I mean Cal Kuzma plays defense, but you can get like there's so a Cal Kuzma now then so not yeah. not not Lakers yeah. Cal Kuzma yeah but like a, a, a legitimate six ten six eleven guy who can like actually put pressure on defenses off the dribble is a that's a player you just you should look at him at least you should don't don't dismiss them out of hand um I guess I'm still a Peyton Watson fan I mean he was horrific offensively at UCLA but also UCLA had nine hundred seniors. And he's a guy who missed like an entire year of COVID, <clears throat> but he's just six eight, and is an incredible perimeter defender, and just has like the tools. Like Zaire Williams is the obvious kind of cop. Like Zaire Williams had a pretty bad season, but there were like seven or eight games where he flashed, and you could see what he could really do. And he was playing minutes in the playoffs, so like it's a, I don't know that I'm always a fan of that kind of player. Jake LaRavia, Jake LaRavia is another guy who's gotten a lot of boost lately, and I'm happy to see. Justin Lewis is a guy I'm still a fan of because he's... Marquette's uh, own. 6'7", 240, with a 7, 2 and a half wingspan, enormous hands. And more than anything, more than a lot of guys who have the measurables, Tari Eason's like this, too. It's one thing to have the measurables and be like, well, this guy looks like a pretty dominant athlete. And then it's another thing to watch the tape and see them, like put their shoulders in the college players and launch them 20 feet. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, this guy plays like that, too. Just have that, I mean, I don't, don't want to say they have that dog in them, but have that just mentality, like, I'm going to hurt you. You're, if you're going to come at me, if you're going to try and take a charge, you're going to get, like, it's going to hurt. And that Justin Lewis is that kind of guy. He's like a, he's a weird balance, and he's kind of an odd shooter. But it goes in. It's just, he kind of shoots like Eric Paschal, and that's kind of clear he kind of reminds me of. I just think, like, much more, like, higher level, like, score. And Atari, like, I'm a big Atari fan. Atari could... I never put a lot of stock into a guy bombing solely through interviews, just like you should never put a lot of stock into a guy 
who, let's say, wears a suit and speaks Mandarin and gets drafted up ahead of the level ball. Um, uh, no offense to James Wiseman. Like, hey, good, good. He did, he did what he's supposed to do, and he he's going to make a lot of money because of it. Um, but Tari, like, Tari just has like monstrous measurables, like really freakish stuff, and I, I don't put that much stock. Just the idea of basketball IQ as a concept, it's a real thing. The way we frame it, really. It's it's like those quarterback tests they make them take, like the Wonderlick tests. Like this feels too much like 1940s chronology stuff to me. To really take that seriously is like a deciding factor on if a prospect is good or not. I don't care what people think about this guy not being able to read defenses. You have a, if you're six eight and play power forward and have a four point six steal rate, you, you know what you're doing. Like, I know LSU played an extremely aggressive defensive style. That was their whole thing. Four points. So maybe add a few on. You know, it's not a Matisse-Thibel situation where you're playing in his own. Like, this guy would just take the ball from people. There's a Jabari Smith play that I'm a big fan of. I was watching the game when it happened, where Jabari is dribbling like Stanley from the office coming down the court because he just doesn't have his handle. And Tari just comes up behind him, just takes it from him. Crosses him up twice, crosses up Walker Kessler, takes the ball all the way down court to three other guys and finishes at the rim. And it was like this guy just played one on five against what was at that point the number one team in the country with the prospective number one pick on it. And like just owned them. Like there's no. He's a freak. He's just has such. He's the guy I mean most when I talk about the jagged edges because he's, his shot is weird. He's a good foul shooter. He's going to foul out a lot. He plays so hard that he may actually injure himself. Like, that was the reason he was a bench player at LSU, was the coaches were afraid he would get too tired if he started. And, like, that, you can't teach that stuff. This guy has, like... like I, I made that joke I called Ivy a Ducati. This guy's, like, an industrial, like a, like a thresher. Like, he's just... Put him on a catapult and launch him at people, and like, you're gonna, stuff's going to happen. He just makes stuff happens when he's around. I'm, I'm, I'm big. The Kari just aesthetically is my favorite. I can get you on board with him right away where I, I can tell you that he statistically is pretty similar to Paul Reed. Just like if Paul Reed, if you snapped his aggression meter up and broke off the knob, that's, that's our reason. Well, you, uh, as a, as a, uh, uh, not quite the John Hollinger, uh, president of the Paul Reed <laughs> fan club, but, uh, but certainly a member that's, that's, um, but it's the same kind yeah. of appeal yeah. as a player of like, this yeah. guy is physically just like pretty impressive. Just the, the guys, the guys who, I mean, I've always sort of had a thing for guys who just end up with the ball. Yes. Like that seems like, you know, that goes back to, you know, it's not even, even always big guy. It goes back to like Bobby Jackson at the yeah. uh, university of Minnesota. Just like, you just, okay. It, it, maybe they doesn't even show up as a stat anywhere, but the ball's there and suddenly he has it. And there's, there's, that's, that's, that's Josh something there. He was like that last year for me. Yeah. I mean, Luca, Luca was like that in Eurobasket. Like, yeah. Oh, he's, he, okay, he's, he's, okay, you say he's a bad athlete, but the ball's loose and he has it every time. So yep. you tell me, who's the bad athlete out here? To move, to move on to another guy I'm a fan of who has that exact skill, uh, Josh Minot from Memphis, who is, he's an interesting guy because he was a point guard in high school, apparently. He came in listed as a guard at 6'8", like 185, and then by the end of the year was playing backup center for Jalen Durham because he just, they figured out he was most effective. You just let him be in the paint and just kind of rotate and make stuff happen. 
Um, pretty good athlete, though. He kind of plays, I think, if he really works out, he's going to be kind of like what the, how the Bulls were using Derek Jones last year. It's like, just get him in pick and roll and just let him run past other centers and dunk. But that's a guy who's probably going to be a, a sec- maybe a second contract guy. So he's, if he gets picked in the first round, he'll be in the 20s. But really just interesting athlete and just has that nose for things. Like, he's just he's always experiencing stuff. And I'm a big fan of those kind of guys. Jabari Walker is kind of like that, too. He's a little less impressive of an athlete, but maybe more of a shooter. Um, and I just would like to see him drafted. He will be drafted, but I'd like to see him drafted so we can all get a, uh, look at his dad's Samaki's uh, draft fit again. Legendary. <laughs> legendary. Fit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I guess, you know, uh, you've kept you kept you here for an hour. I think... Last thing I kind of want to talk about is a general idea of it seems like there's there's an element of the draft that is like fighting the last war. <laughs> so, for example, a player who um, I don't I can't say I know super well from from tape, but certainly have looked at from statistical is EJ Liddell. And he's like and it seems like, oh, man, Grant, Grant Williams is better than we thought he'd be. This is the, this is another guy who's sort of like that. And it seems yeah. like. It's it's almost like the I, I almost feel like the best example of this is uh, Bruno Caboclo getting taken the year after Giannis. Yep. Um, so, do you, do you like do you see any of the like the players who are getting kind of you know buzz that are that are sort of like Ooh, we missed on this guy before who's better than we thought? So a guy who kind of if we squint looks like him. Yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, Liddell's the best example. Although I think he's, he's, I mean, I really like him. He can shoot, I think, is his real, like, I think he's, he's kind of, he's a guy who kind of got forced into being, like, a number one option in Ohio State because they just lost a lot of talent and really took to it and blocks a lot of shots at 6'7 for, like, a rotating guy. And it just plays, like, he's 6'7, 245. He kind of looks like Millsap physically. I think that's the idea. But, yeah, he's one, um, this draft is weird because I, I feel like those guys, like maybe Dyson Daniels is getting the Halliburton bump, or, just, or like even the Lonzo Ball bump, although Lonzo wasn't underdrafted. But I, I think I think the NBA is much more open to the idea of a, a tall guard, which is my favorite type of player, who's a, a connecting passer more than like a real like advantage creator. Um, because that he's like I said, I'm really surprised he's getting like top ten buzz. I I not against it. I, I think I support it. I'm a big fan of his. I've been a fan of his for a while. I just didn't expect it because he's not a shooter. He just doesn't have like, as my friend PD Webb always, he coined a phrase with him that I'm going to think about for a while. He has a coming into the G League, he had an almost terminal case of NBA Academy brain where he was obsessed with making the correct pass at, at the expense of like actually pushing and trying to create advantages. He would just like Take, he would take time to dribble into the spot and throw a perfect bounce pass as an, ent- as an entry. And it's like, that's great. I love, you know, how many players are good at throwing entry passes at 18 years old? Not that many. But, like, you're missing a guy open the corner to do that. You know, like, and he's sort of kind of working into becoming more of an adventurous passer. And that's, if you're going to be Alonzo Ball, you need to be an adventurous passer. Alonzo <laughs> is the most one of the most aggressive passers in the world. Um... So I think he's the guy who's getting that bump, but I think it's good. I think it's, it's I think it's deserved. Part of why I'm surprised Tari Eason is falling is I think I thought he would get more of the Brandon Clark bump because that's how Brandon Clark 
Brandon Clark is a, you know, a psychopath in, in the best way. Like, that's just how he plays. He's just launching, like, where's the ball? Throw me at it. That's And I really thought that he'd be getting that. I guess... See, I'm trying to think. The problem is that, like, Paulo, Chet, and Jabari are kind of... There's not really anyone who really fits their archetype in the last three or four drafts, so it's hard to really look at them. People, people have tried to... People have tried to hang Jaron Jackson on Jabari, but I think that's 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 a uh, it's a pretty big stretch. Yeah, like I said, he's not a five defensively at all. I mean, whether Jaron is is a fair question, also. But that's... yeah, but like that, Jaron <laughs> right. can do it in on occasion. I don't. I really don't know if Jabari is going to be able to do that. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, he he was in a way he was buoyed by having Walker Kessler behind him, who had put up historically good block rates because Walker Kessler. Can back, jump ball backpedaling, kind of freakishly for a guy who looks like that at seven one two forty, and that's why you draft him and say, hey, can, you, you draft that guy and you throw, you make him watch Brook Lopez tape for three weeks and see what happens. But um, in a way, Jabari might have had to do that more. Problem is, and this is a thing I think people need to understand. Um, we see these players before college. <laughs> Uh, he wasn't doing that in high school either. He was awesome. I was a big Jabari Smith. I still am. I had him five, fifth or sixth at the start of the year. And people were like, wow, that's really high. I'm like, no, he's, he's, he was awesome. He was an awesome shooter in high school. Continued to be. Um, that's why the Shaden Sharp thing is always fun to me. Like, He's a little bit of a high trajectory guy. Like, he kind of appeared out of nowhere. But he also played an entire summer as a leading scorer in grind session in EYBL against other elite high school players. Like, We've seen him play basketball. People have seen him play. It's not hard to find the tape. He's not like, you know, Dante Exum type or the guy on the the guy on Two K is always portrayed as a mystery. Like we know who Shaden Sharp is. He's been playing. He played at two major high schools and then he played on like five or six different big, like AAU teams. Like he's a known quantity. The only question is how does he really translate? But like. Um, Let's put a pin in that. Let's take. Uh, we, uh, uh, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna butcher the name. So apologies in advance. Uh, Tajuddin's been waiting uh, with a question. After we'll get to that and then finish up. I guess okay. I'm glad you brought him up because I, I, I do want to hear about Shaden Sharp. So uh, if uh, want to un- unmute and, and uh, if you got a question for for Brian and me, uh, let her rip. Yep. Or not. Okay. Um, so, Shaden Sharp. Yeah. Live radio. Good times. Um, Shaden Sharp. Like, this... Hmm. I'm... I, so, I am... If there's a player that I'm, like, you know, I, I the players I like are the ones who are, uh, the you know, the nose for the ball type, I guess. Um, the ones that... The, the sort of the, the high school hype beast is... Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's the, the you know the the, the the classic the current example of that is Cam Reddish, who you know doesn't do much at Duke, gets the NBA, and does some things as a defender, but is not like that guy. So that's my coming in with a like, you know, coming in sort of predisposed against Shane Sharp. Yeah, but tell me, tell me why I'm wrong. Is, um, I don't know if you 100 percent are, but the difference is that Shaden is like an extreme athlete. Like really, really way above the rim, like vertical athlete. Like he got that that honestly the fake like forty eight inch vert. He's probably 44, 45. Like he's got huge hands, can really jump. 
I think the question with Shaden Sharp is, is he Jason Richardson or is he like more, or is he Vince Carter kind of, kind of like score? Because I think he can shoot. I think he can really create for himself pretty well. The playmaking is fine. I don't know. It's more, that's more of an issue in college, like you said with Keegan. I just don't know if he's like a um, number one guy or is he like a Jerry Stackhouse, Jason Richardson, like feasting on usage on bad teams and putting up numbers kind of score. Because if he's closer to the former, he might be the guy who sneaks in as like a real star in this class. Um, if he's not, then he's just going to be, you know, a fine player, but I don't know if he's a guy you really want to take top five, top six. I mean, I think that's. I mean, I, I sort of feel like. I mean, it, it might work out for him, but I sort of feel like, given the general kind of risk aversion, of you know, you, you talked about the FOMO of of Ivy earlier, but like, okay, Ivy gets on the floor in a high in a high major conference and is like massively like the like just jumps off the screen. Yeah, and you know, you don't want to like you know. People are going to watch a lot of highlight mixes, and there's always danger. You know, you, there's always a chance you get the Perry Jones high school mix where he looks like Kevin Garnett plus Michael Jordan. Where he, I literally, I, I always joke <laughs> that when I saw the Perry Jones highlight tape, my first thought was they're going to cancel basketball because this guy's too good. Uh, was, and like so uh, the Thon Maker had a little little bit of that. Yeah, Thon Thon had it. Well, and which is funny because he was like, like he was like his actual like road to being good, and his best attributes were like so non mixtapeish. It was like yeah. defensive motor, uh, which is yeah, Ivy, yeah. But like you do, you do. There is some value to those, especially if you know what you're looking for. Just being like, what does this guy do that other players can't? And Shaden's definitely one of those guys who can just get up in a way that other players can. And Ivy, I mean, if you watch, like I said, if you watch like a four-minute Ivy mix, if it's a good one, it's just, it's unbelievable. Shaden's the only guy close to him in this class. I mean, I guess you, unless you really are, uh, you're really obsessed with defensive rotations, and then you can watch the Jalen Duran tape where he takes one step, crosses the entire paint, jumps up and blocks a floater that's at the top of the square. I mean, that, you know, that kind of athleticism is there too. Those are the three guys who are really like the super elite freak guys in this draft. I feel like, and, and yeah, Ivy's the one who is like has guard skills and yeah. No, I mean the thing with the thing with he's Ivy, the is, best shooter of the three yeah. Then the, the thing with and I guess we'll, we should end here. Not that I need yeah. to convince you about about Jay and Ivy or anything, but it, but it, I wasn't talking about watching like he jumps off the screen, not watching a mixtape. He jumped just off the screen, it, just yeah. yeah, just watching five minutes of a college. Like who's that guy? Um, yeah, I and mean, there's there's an adage. I just want um. Mike Gribbonov has used it a few times. I've heard that a lot of people use it. You never want to turn... If you're like tuning in to see a guy, you've heard about this prospect, you want to watch them, you never want to be like, oh, where is he? Like The really elite guys, if you watch... I mean, it's it's pointless to compare people to him, but I remember tuning in and watching High School LeBron and being like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I wonder I, which one's LeBron. That, no, that was Durant the first time I saw him. It's was like, yeah, oh, yeah. oh, oh, yeah. Um, I mean, one Banyama is going to be our new example of that. Where you don't like nobody's going to be making a highlight mix or like a scouting video for one Banyama where they have to circle him and point, point an arrow. Like, no, you don't. <laughs> um, and Ivy's definitely, yeah. Like, like I don't think I'd watched much Purdue that first year, maybe two or three games because there just wasn't a lot of guys. And you know, he was 
I, I knew who he was, but I wasn't like, this guy's a star. And then I remember watching their tournament game to 2021 tournament where they lost to North Texas, but he looked unbelievable. Like, the, the speed, how fast he was. And I was like, okay, that's he's going to get drafted next year. <laughs> I, I said that immediately. Ben Matherin was kind of like that as a, at Arizona his first year. And, yeah, like, yeah, you, if, if you're looking for a star prospect and they don't jump off the screen, even unless you're guys watching it like a, uh, the McDonald's game or something, because those guys are all like that, um, and that's an exhibition anyways. But if you're watching any kind of organized basketball and you have a guy you think is like an elite prospect and you can't tell who they are, that's a bad sign. That's, that's not a good sign. <laughs> That's probably that's also that's that's also good uh, sort of good um, a good heuristic for watching summer. It's not quite the same thing because it won't be like yeah. you're looking for in the summer league environment. You're looking for pops of that just because the like the structure you mentioned earlier was, is so weird. But uh, yeah, and I remember, I remember the Porzingis year. Not to say not to paint Porzingis as some elite prospect, but well, I mean I think he was I mean, pretty good, I, really good prospect. Pre pre pretty injury. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't remember if you were at that game, but I remember telling people, like, I think this guy's pretty good, and then five minutes into the game, people were looking around like, what the fuck? Like, who is this? Because he just looks, yeah, he just stood out immediately. Anthony Davis stood out immediately. Oh, no, Towns, not Davis. Davis was at the Olympics. And Carl Towns stood out immediately. Uh, you know, second-year Jimmy Butler, when <laughs> he put up, like, 38 points in, like, 14 no. minutes, and they, they basically yanked him off court with a hook. Like, yeah, you're done playing. <laughs> Millard was like that, and you know, Josh Selby was like that too. But that's the fun of summer league—you get one a guy who has one great game and is a legend forever. Anthony Randolph standing next to Steph Curry, yeah. and summer league legend Anthony Randolph, and yeah, um, Slovenian national team member Anthony Randolph. Sure, uh, is, that, is that he plays for somebody? He's—he's. He's I think that's right. Yeah. I, I, that, that, yeah. Um, Brian, uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, yeah. I think it's probably about eleven thirty your time now. So thank you for uh, thank you for taking some time out of your, your evening to educate me on 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 this year's draft class. And I will, uh, if I regurgitate uh, any of these opinions and don't credit you for them, uh, it's not out of malice. It's it's because my brain is fried after a long season. So uh, I, I didn't even talk about AJ Griffin. So I'm not that worried because those are my those are my favorite takes. <laughs> well, th- uh, thank you. Thanks a lot for for coming on, and yep. um, um, we'll make a date to do it. Uh, you know, sometime next year, so you can revise and extend for about twenty minutes about the Victor Romanyama. Lots of I think there's, there's like four of them next year. <laughs> I mean, he, he's cool. the he's like the or like he may be the ultimate prospect. Like, just the idea of him is so incredible. But yeah, Eamon Thompson is a freak. Scoot Henderson's a freak. There's a bunch of them next year. Next year looks pretty great. Well, I look forward to talking about that then. But uh, but th- thanks for joining me. Enjoy Thursday, and uh, talk to you soon. Yep. All right, thanks for thanks for listening, everyone. I am back tomorrow afternoon with uh, with Big Waz Wozni Lambre of the Ringer to uh, put a button on on the NBA season and perhaps make fun of Kyrie Irving. So uh, join join us then, and talk to you soon.